Come on, Tim Harrison, everybody. Wow. Thank you so much. I'm done. I've, I've done my job here today. You, you understand what we're talking about. Great. Awesome. No, I love that. And actually, one of the reasons I wanted to have Tim come and share a spoken word is because a spoken word is like a modern day parable. And it's like we're in a series called Parables, where we're talking about Jesus and how he tells the stories to the culture. And this was a parable before the parable. And God wants us to speak to our culture today and use things like the creative gifts that God has put in Tim and many of you to speak stories to our culture, to deliver kingdom truths in a way that they would understand. Wasn't that amazing? Well, just, just give it up one more time for Tim. That's, that's, that's so good. I love it. If you are new today, I want to welcome you. And for those of you that may not know me, my name is Casey Pate. I am the director of City Creative here at City Life. Also married to the lead pastor. Kind of have a crush on him. 21 years is coming on December 17th. So, whoop. And I am so glad to be here with you today. It is a true joy and honor to be able to share the word with you. And hopefully we'll leave encouraged and challenged and inspired. So let's get right to it. I think you have a little clue about what we're going to talk about today. But let's read the scripture. Oh, I'm sorry. Yes, you're right. You're right. The purpose of the parable series is to connect the stories of the kingdom of God to our everyday lives. We're going to take these truths that Jesus spoke, and we're going to figure out how that applies to us today. Now, the scripture, Matthew 13, 31 through 33. He put another parable before them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his field. It is the smallest of all seeds, but when it has grown, it is larger than all the garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. All right. And then he said, he told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour till it was all leavened. I got lucky. I only have two verses today. If you've been with us, like, you know, some of these parables have multiple verses. We've been hitting some hard hitting, heavy topics. I'm biased, but I think my husband is the best communicator in the world. And some of these last, especially last couple of weeks, talking about hell, that is not an easy subject, but it is, it has been amazing. And it's amazing because of these parables Jesus tells. So before we dive in directly to how it applies to us, let's look at some context. If you've been with us long enough, you know that we are firm believers in understanding the word, not just what is in it for me, but there was actually something happening here. There was a history, there was a context, there was a place Jesus was at, there was a people Jesus was talking to, and there's a reason that he decided to say what he's gonna say. And I believe looking at that enhances and enriches our understanding of what he would want to say to us today because I believe some of the same encouragement absolutely applies to us. So let's back up for a second because we are jumping into verse 31 here in this chapter. So as a quick reminder, at the beginning of chapter 13, which Pastor G, I, I looked back in the notes 
And we, this is the fourth time that we have been in this chapter in the parable series. It's a significant chapter, and just so happens that Pastor G is the one who's had all three of those. So he really handled the uh, sower sowing the seed. He did an amazing job. And so this might be familiar if you've been with us in this series because we have already talked about the concept of the sower and the seed. But what is Jesus doing? He is in Galilee. And at the beginning of the chapter, it says that he got into a boat so that he could teach to the crowds. And we have to understand that he, in this chapter, begins to flip the script a little bit. This is really when he goes into the parables. And we have to understand why and what he was saying. At this point in his ministry... The opposition to him was growing stronger. The word was getting out. People are like, whoa, what's going on here? The Pharisees are like, nope, we're shutting this down. I'm going to come and I'm going to question. I'm going to trap you. It was kind of heating up a little bit. And the further we go in the Gospels, the closer it's getting to Jesus' death and resurrection. So you have to imagine he has an urgency here. There's really something he wants to encourage the people listening to him. So this wasn't a private setting with just the disciples. Actually, later in this chapter, after these scriptures, it becomes that. But right now, he is talking to a large group of people. I already mentioned it. This is the third parable with the sower mentioned. So in the beginning of the parable, we have the sower sows, sows the seed. Some goes on rocky ground, right? Some goes on the, uh, the weeds, choke it out. Some is planted in good soil. And then we have the parable of the wheat and the tares. And so those two things have already been mentioned in this chapter. And I also want to say, to bring some context here, I appreciate that not only do we hear about the sower, but Jesus introduces this idea of leaven and the bread, and he's speaking to women. He said, and a woman hid the leaven in the flour. And this is what's so amazing about Jesus. He cares about the people that are there. And the men would have definitely understood the idea of of sowing seed because there were a lot of farmers in that crowd. So when he's talking, they knew exactly what he meant when he was giving that illustration. They're probably looking at mustard plants around them because they were growing there. And he very likely could have just pointed right to one when he said it grows like a mighty tree. So they got that. But I love that Jesus specifically decided to say, and it's also like a woman who hid the leaven because Jesus wanted the women there to also relate and understand to what he was talking about. They would have sort of related by association, but that's just Jesus for you. He wants to make sure everyone is seen. He wants to make sure everyone is heard. And personally, as a woman, I really appreciate that when I see the scriptures where Jesus makes sure that he addresses the women or he speaks to them. Because in that culture, that just didn't really happen a lot. There wasn't a lot of value placed on that. And so that is a really cool observation. And even when Jesus is mentioning the birds that are going to come and nest, we see the kind of the plain interpretation of this scripture is really kind of self-explanatory because we, we actually don't get a further explanation out of Jesus in these. Other times he explains and he goes on to further the illustration, but these two verses he just kind of says, and I think it's because it's fairly self-explanatory, and when they heard the illustration, they knew exactly what he was talking about. And when he talked about the birds coming to nest in the tree, I think he wanted them to understand 
that the kingdom of God was not only going to be for them, but when it grew like a tree and it was strong, that this, this means that he's talking about the inclusion of the Gentiles that would come later, that his message and his kingdom is for all. He was mostly talking to a Jewish crowd, and so he wanted them to understand and he wanted to, them to get that this wasn't necessarily for them. And the interpretation is that the kingdom of God might seem like a small and hidden beginning, but it is expanding and taking over and will be a mighty force that cannot be stopped. And somebody said, amen, for the kingdom expanding this morning. We're glad for it. Now, we have to think about what's happening in the people that he's talking to. Why did he decide to say what he said? I have to imagine that the disciples, the followers of Jesus, were a little discouraged at this point because they have these really tiny, small beginnings of what he's talking about. They're, a, they're a, a, just a ragamuffin group of largely uneducated, unexperienced people, and they're out here trying to tell people about this kingdom that is coming, but I think they saw the opposition, they saw the things happening, and they got, I can imagine they were just discouraged. Not to mention the fact that everybody was looking for the Messiah to come in a very different way than he came. And actually, God is just kind of like that most of the time. Usually, what we're looking for, he's like, no, I got something different in mind. I come and I flip everything upside down on its head. And I use things of the world that people wouldn't use. And I use them to advance my kingdom. And so they were looking for this Messiah, this, this warrior, this mighty king to come in and just conquer. And there was no more humble and lowly and helpless beginning than entering the world as a baby. As we get ready to celebrate Christmas that is an extremely humble and small beginning. So they just keep looking for these giant, dramatic displays of when the Messiah is going to come back. And it's just not happening. So if you put yourself in their shoes, and they're, they're just trying so hard, but they just had to be discouraged. And I kind of think that maybe some of these parables Jesus decided to use was he was maybe overhearing some of their conversations. They were in relationship, and so he maybe heard them talk about being discouraged, and maybe they said, hey, if the kingdom of God is at hand and it's so powerful, why are we seeing such mixed results? Why are some receiving and some not? The parable of the sower sowing into the different soil. So maybe that was an answer to that particular discouragement they had. Maybe he heard the disciples say, man, if this kingdom is so powerful and the kingdom is at hand, why is there so much evil prevalent everywhere right now? And it just seems like we're not taking any ground. Maybe that's the parable of the wheat and the tares that he talks about that and them growing together. And that when the time comes, he's going to separate the wheat and the tears. And then maybe for today, he heard them talking and they were discouraged and they said, hey, if the kingdom of God and this Jesus thing, this thing we're trying to do here is so powerful, why does it seem so insignificant and so hidden? 
They were just looking for something different. And Jesus was telling these parables as a way to comfort and encourage them because he was saying, hey, look at this tree behind me. Don't forget that something that can start so small can grow into something really significant, even if you don't see it working. And I think that not only did they need that comfort now for that moment, but I think Jesus knew they would really need it later on when he left them, when they were alone, they, when he died on the cross, and they did not understand what was happening, and then the church is persecuted and scattered and all over the place, and they don't know what they're doing. I think those words of Jesus would come back to them as a way of comfort to say, hey, don't get discouraged by what you see. Trust that the kingdom of God is expanding and you're going to go out and you're sowing those seeds of the kingdom. How comforting would that be to remember his words later on? So that just shows the care and intention of Jesus. That not only is he speaking to them then, he is speaking to them later when they're really going to need it and they were really struggling. So we see some observations here between both of these scriptures. All right, both of these things, there's a similar pattern. There is an action. A man sowed a seed. That's an action. There is the woman hid leaven in measures of flour. That's an action that someone did. There is a process. We know there's a process because it talks about a result. And specifically, it's a dramatic contrast between the small beginning and the really, really big exponential ending. So I want to look at these two parables today. And I want to kind of separate them into different focuses for our discussion. Because I believe just as those words encouraged the disciples and followers back then, I think we can get encouragement from these scriptures today as we are going about our lives and we are trying to see the kingdom advance. So let's talk about this. We're going to look at the leaven as the expansion of the kingdom inward inside us. And then we're going to look at the mustard seed as the expansion of the kingdom outward, where it's going in the world. So let's have our, our uh, yep, there it is. All right, the picture. Oh, are you getting hungry? It's getting close to lunchtime. Let me ask a question. How many of you uh, baked bread during the pandemic? If you did uh, Raise your hand. Yeah, I see, I see some, I see those hands. I don't know why that was a thing. Do, do we know? Do we know why that was a thing? Why we just were, it's delicious. <laughs> I heard Josh all the way back there. And of course he's commenting on the food. It is delicious, but I guess it was just like, hey, I have so much time now. I'm just going to make bread from scratch. I, that's awesome. That, that's cool. And I, I saw pictures of beautiful bread. I have to confess to you today that I have never made bread from scratch. Um, I, I watched a little bit with a little bit of uh, envy at those people that said, I just have so much time. And I'm going, I don't have any time in this pandemic. I think I got busier when the pandemic happened because it is our honor and joy to pastor. But it was a lot and still is a lot of work through this specific time. So I was like, I want to make bread too. But I will just enjoy the pictures of your Instagram bread. 
I don't know why that was a thing, but many of us got familiar with that process <laughs> of how dough rises and the leaven goes inside of it. And though I do not understand by specific experience, I can, I can, I gotcha, I gotcha. But the le- definition of leaven, the noun form is an element that produces an altering and transforming influence. The verb is to permeate, I love the word permeate, with an altering or transforming element. The functioning of the leavening the bread is to change the properties of the bread all together and get into every part of the dough to create something completely different. It expands and it takes over every other element. And I have an example for you today. It's not baking bread, but we have seen the results of one thing changing the entire result. And that is my son, Addison, who's here on the front row this morning, my 18-year-old son, um, when he's like, what are you going to say about me? I know, it's, it's just part of the gig, you know? I ain't going to tell on you a little bit, I'm sorry. But then I'll brag on you later. When we taught Addison how to do laundry, Stop. <laughs> he's like, don't, don't tell it, don't tell it. When we taught Addison how to do laundry, and this is to his credit many years ago, not, not yesterday. Like uh, I know, I know. When we taught him how to do laundry, we said, you know, hey, basics, you know, this is a soap. This is the, you put it in the dryer, the dryer sheet, you know, put similar things together, like pretty basic thing. I was not making it too fancy for him, but we wanted him to, to understand, you know, how to do that. And uh, one day he just comes to us and he's like, well, um, something happened with my load of clothes. Um, I, don't, I don't really understand. Um, I, put, I put bleach in the laundry and now all of my clothes look different and they're the color has changed and it's totally ruined basically which i mean you know it's kind of a little trendy kind of that look i was like maybe we can make this work but did did we did we say put bleach no we did not we did not say specifically to put bleach in every load of laundry and he's just trying his best he's just trying to be responsible learn how to do things we learned a lesson that day we don't put bleach in every load of laundry but that one element that one ingredient changed the entire load of laundry it didn't even matter the amount of bleach compared to the tub of water it changed everything and it changed the end result which unfortunately cost us some money because we had to replace some clothes but this is what the idea of leaven does one ingredient can change the entire result of everything else so what is the action here the action in this scripture is our part to play and the action specifically says she hid the dough And when I hear the word hidden, it reminds me of the scripture, Psalm 119, 11, that says, I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. And this is the inward expansion of the kingdom. This is taking something and hiding it inside so it can work and 
change and take over everything on the inside. I love the message translation of this scripture. I think it's just so cool. I've banked your promises in the vault of my heart so that I won't send myself bankrupt. I love that idea. And God wants us to take the kingdom and hide it in our hearts so it will begin to take over and transform us. God's idea is that we will be made into fully new creatures, but that is not an instant process. Yes, the moment of receiving Christ, we are a new creation, but the working out is like putting the leaven in the dough and working it out, baby. I got to put it all in there so it permeates everything in my heart to be sure there are many ingredients in your heart. There is hurt, there's doubt, disappointment, there's sin, there's the lies of the enemy. There is our flesh that is fighting against us every day. And so it may not seem like a significant thing to put the word in your heart every day, but the assurance is that if you do, it is going to eventually take over all of the properties of everything else. And so when those doubts come, when the lies of the enemy comes, you are so secure and firmly planted that the truth has taken over the lie because the leaven has done its work and it's expanded into your heart. And God wants us to do that. He wants the kingdom to expand on the inside of us so that we can go to the outside. We can live this life out. The word is living and active. Hebrews 4.12, right? We know this about God. We know this is what he said. So it might seem like a small thing, but again, let's, uh, I skipped over it. I got you all over the place. I am so sorry. The, the slide of the unleavened versus the leavened bread. Yep, there it is. So this is the difference between does. And this picture over here of unleavened bread was very familiar to Jews because it was actually their custom to make unleavened bread. They actually had to remove the leaven out. And so you can see that it might seem like a small thing. You don't necessarily see the leaven working and expanding, but the end result is very dramatic with the addition of one ingredient. And that's what God wants us to do on the inside so the kingdom can expand and rise and then influence other people as well. So let's look at, now we've talked about the inward expansion. Let's look at the mustard seed as the expansion of the kingdom outward. Let's go back to this scripture. He put another parable before them saying, the kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed that a man took, sowed in his field. It is the smallest of all seeds, but when it has grown, it is larger than all of the garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds of the air come and make nest in its branches. So the mustard plant, I really, I, I do not resonate as much with the leaven. Um, I resonate with the, uh, the seed and the plants uh, because I am a self-proclaimed plant lady, if you don't know me. So I especially love all of the scriptures about planting and growing and, and seed and seed time and harvest and plants and trees. 
Ah, yes, you're speaking my language, Jesus. So the mustard plant is actually more like a plant and a shrub than it is a tree, which is kind of interesting. And they usually grew about four feet tall, somewhere around there. But what's really cool is in the area that they're in, in Galilee, where Jesus was teaching this particular parable, these mustard trees could grow huge, up to 12 feet tall, just because of the conditions of the soil there in Galilee. And so it was a massive thing. But I think it's kind of interesting that maybe they were like, huh, you didn't say like a cedar like you referred to earlier. Uh, you didn't use, you used this, this mustard plant. And this is my take, so, you know, take it or leave it. But I just think this is another way that God shows us it's not always what you think it is. And God can take something that you don't automatically associate, like the mustard plant is going to be where the birds come and rest, but he's still going to accomplish his purpose through it. And that's just kind of what he does. Like I said earlier, it's never the way or how we thought it was going to be usually. He's like, nope, let's look at something else. So what is the action? The action in the leaven was us taking and hiding in our heart. The action here is taking the seed and sowing it into the ground. Now, this is not the first time we have heard about a mustard seed. You might remember a very familiar scripture when you hear mustard seed. It's actually the probably more known verse that talks about uh, Matthew 17, 20, that having the faith as small as a mustard seed, right? Then we can say, to, you, you know the rest of it, hopefully. And he is using the smallest seed that they could imagine possible for a reason. He wants you to see that small, insignificant, seemingly insignificant beginnings can become something really amazing and grow to be a mighty force. Now, it's not just any seed, though. That's the thing about the mustard seed, both of those illustrations. It's actually living an active seed that has faith in it. Because if we just scatter seed to the ground and there's no faith in it. It is not active and living. And that's the kind of seed that God talks about. The kingdom is going to expand like that once it goes into the ground. But both the leaven and the mustard seed are active. They're not passive. They're not dead things. They go in and they work and they change. And I think the encouraging thing maybe about this is the work is us sowing the seed into the ground. That's, that's actually a pretty small thing in the scheme of things. It doesn't say we're responsible for how the, it turns out in the end. It doesn't say put the seed in the ground and then like work super hard and like do all of these things. It actually just, in this parable, it's someone doing the action of planting or hiding and I love that because God can do anything. He can do anything that he wants to do. He doesn't have to partner with us and use us to carry the message of the gospel. What feeble hands to entrust the transformative power of the kingdom of God into human hands. Yet, that's what he wants to do. He wants us to be a part of the process. 
And so it's a small thing, but if we don't do the action of planting into the ground, we will stay with that tiny, tiny mustard seed and it will never grow. We will just be left with a bunch of mustard seeds because it has to go into the ground. Did, we, did I already miss the picture? Yep, there it is, of the mustard seed. So it is the tiniest, tiniest thing. You may not even be able to see it from where you're sitting. And then look at this picture of probably what they were looking at when Jesus was giving this parable. It's pretty astounding to think of the growth that could happen. And that's how God's word is intended to go forth and advance the kingdom. We have a promise that God's word does not return void and empty to us. In Isaiah 55, we see this beautiful passage. For as the rain and snow come down from heaven and do not return there, but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word that goes out from my mouth, it shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. It's not going to come back empty, but it's the word, it's the kingdom that gets that guarantee. It's not just any old thing. The, the principle of seed time and harvest is great and we kind of love the idea of it but that doesn't just mean that applies to everything about life he's talking about the kingdom of god specifically and we can be encouraged that our small seed of faith that goes into the ground can advance god's kingdom in a powerful way and it will not return void so why don't we do that more often? It seems like it's so simple and maybe even freeing or encouraging you today of thinking, oh, that's right, that's right. God just, it's just this tiny seed. I just put it in the ground and I can let God do the rest. But I think there's probably a lot of reasons that we don't sow the seed even though it seems like something really simple. So let's look at some of those. We don't remember the impact of the kingdom of God. I think if we really lived every day, like we believe this kind of impact and result God talks about right here, we would be sowing seeds all day long because we go, wow, God is going to have a return on this. The kingdom is going to be advanced. My sowing is not going to be in vain. But honestly, we just get tired because it takes a lot of work to put seed into the ground. Even though it's a small action, it's still an action. And we get tired. And then we feel like, oh, that doesn't, it's just a tiny seed. It doesn't really matter. What, what's that tiny seed going to do in someone else's life? What's that, what's that encouragement going to do for somebody really in the scheme of things? And we forget the impact the kingdom has, and so we stop doing it. Because, man, it's work. Another reason that we don't sow the seed is we don't immediately see the fruit and are easily discouraged. I think probably everyone in this room can relate to this one. It's hard. We are an instant society. We are an impatient 
society, I would say. I would say I am an impatient person. I want to see results. I want to know that what I'm doing is going to work. And when I can't see it happening, I am easily discouraged. And I'm going to give you an example of my daughter who's not sitting in here because she is in the room mixing the online sound. So she hears me in her ears. And I'm going to use her as an example. God is really moving in her life. And, and she would say that she struggles with anxiety sometimes and has had a, a difficult road with that. But as she is deepening her relationship with Jesus and in her faith, she is actually getting better. And she says, man, I am struggling less with this than I used to. And she has a desire to help her friends. And so one of her friends that they had talked about that in the past, they'd had these conversations about anxiety. It was kind of a shared common experience. This friend has, has recently um, come out as transgendered and she's just loving her. She's walking with her. She's trying as hard as she can. And she talked about being better. And, and the friend goes, well, well, how or why? Why are you better? And she takes that opportunity to say, hey, um, I can say really it's Jesus. Like God is doing something in me and he's the reason. And, and she stops her and, and, and says, Not, I'm sorry, you're making me really uncomfortable. We, we, can't talk, we can't keep talking about this anymore. Can you imagine that's discouraging? Can you imagine those people that you're reaching out to and you want nothing more than to share the good news with them? And they say, no, no, I, that, that makes me, I, we can't, we can't talk about that. We can talk about the subject, but we can't talk, we can't talk about that. We get so discouraged. And if she was in here right now, I'd look her in the eye, but I'm going to tell her so she hears it in her ear. I would say, honey, keep going. Keep planting the seeds. Because you know why that person was uncomfortable? That was the Spirit of God. That was a truth that was being delivered to this person and they did not want to hear it and they were uncomfortable because it works. The word works, the kingdom advances and people don't always want the kingdom, but that doesn't change our responsibility to give it to them. It doesn't change our responsibility to sow the seeds every day but we get so easily discouraged and i understand that i get easily discouraged and i go uh it's not making any difference anyway parenting a lot like that when they're young when they're babies you're changing diapers you're you know you're doing all the things that you can do you're not really sure if any of it's actually landing or working or taking effect like you kind of only have the results that you're keeping them alive which is great <laughs> we, that alone is, is a great accomplishment but we don't see we can't see the kingdom at work when they're young a two-year-old is not sorry a two-year-old is not gonna come to you and say mother thank you so much for everything that you do for me thank you for sowing the seeds of Jesus in my heart I appreciate it don't hold your breath teenagers may not do it either I'm just saying this, Mine, mine have. I want to. I want to give credit. Mine have, but you don't see the results immediately. But are you going to trust the kingdom is at work through the seeds that you're sowing? Another reason we don't sow the seed. If we're being honest, we don't get to take the credit. 
or the glory. And that's kind of tough because we kind of like to see the return on our investment. We kind of like to see our accomplishments so people can go, good job. Look at that disciple that you've been investing into. They're amazing. Only when they're doing well, right? Because when they're bad, they're like, ah, well, you know, everybody's going to make their own choices. But we like to take the credit and it doesn't belong to us. And so sometimes you're going to sow seed and you don't actually get to see that tree that comes. And that's hard. But aren't you glad somebody sowed a seed into you when you started hearing about Jesus? Does that person see who you are today? Maybe. Maybe not. I'm thankful for Matt Mitchell in Lubbock, Texas at Westminster Presbyterian Church that I randomly started attending this youth group and I was lost and broken and I was looking for identity and security in other places and he sowed seeds into me. Does he know that today I'm standing before you teaching and sharing the word that I've given my life to serving and advancing the kingdom? No, I've lost touch with him. I'd love to reconnect and tell him thank you for doing that. But we don't always get to see the seeds that we sow. It's just our job to sow them. That's what he asks of us. He doesn't guarantee that we get to stick around and see what happens. But he does guarantee that when the seed goes in the ground full of faith, that the kingdom is going to advance and it's going to grow into a huge tree. The last two that we, the reasons we don't sow the seed is we've been hurt. It's hard. When people let you down, when they disappoint you, when you've been relationally hurt, you don't want to invest. You don't want to sow those seeds that God is urging in your heart, like just meet with that person. I know, I know what's going on, but just sow the seed. And then we act like the seed is our own to begin with. Is it? I don't think so. It doesn't say anything about your personal seed that you have. And if we could live life like our life doesn't belong to us, I think we would be more generous in sowing the seed. Because when it's about us, we go, uh, my time is very valuable. My time is very precious. I have to be very careful with the seed that I sow. I have to choose. I get it. My time is more precious than ever. But that is not living life like nothing belongs to me. That's living life like these things are mine and I get to choose where the investment heads and what happens at the end of the day. That is hard. And sometimes that keeps us from sowing seed. And as the last example of this, this idea of sowing, we don't always get to see, we don't know if it's working, it's hard, it's challenging, um, really hits home with me as a parent. And this is kind of where I'm at in life. And God met me in such a real time way with this word. Um, because there's a little something that we're in right now called senior year of high school. Um, it's happening. We, we, we reached 18 years old and this is, <laughs> the, the concrete is hardening. The, the cement is, is getting hardening. There's an urgency created in me that there's gonna be this seal placed over the chapter called 
the first 18 years of my life, my upbringing, everything about my childhood, all my good memories, my bad memories, everything that my parents did, everything my parents didn't do, how happy was my childhood, all the magical memories, it's going to have a seal over it and there's nothing that I can do about it anymore. And that is daunting, it's overwhelming and you feel huge responsibility. Because if my child goes out into the world, my grown man goes out into the world and they fail, then it's my fault because I didn't do enough. I wasn't enough. And in a time that should be really joyful, yes, it's hard. There's a tension of letting go and also holding on because you want to. But it should be a very joyful time, an exciting time. My son loves the Lord. We're so grateful for that. He wants to go into full-time ministry despite everything that he's seen from behind the scenes of our lives. So, you know, that's really the calling of God on his life. But despite all that, I found, I was kind of surprised. I, I was just met with these feelings of intense regret. This urgency of like, oh, I only have this much time. I got to hurry. I got to hurry. And I started thinking about all the things, and, and Chris and I have had this conversation, all the things that we didn't do all the things that I wish I would have done. And I was like, oh, we don't have time now because our lives are crazy. And I always thought there was more time and there's not. And I just felt like I was falling so short when I looked at this. I, I wish that we could have given our children more when they were younger. You don't get in the ministry to make a lot of money if you didn't know that. And <laughs> as youth pastors, we weren't making a lot of money. We couldn't afford a lot of the things that I wish that I could have given our children. And I just found myself really struggling with this. And can I tell you that the grace of God has met me in the most powerful way right here in the middle of my feelings of lack about this. He has ever so gently been reminding me that my job was to plant the seeds of the kingdom and he is responsible for the growth. And that freed me, honestly. It freed me from that overwhelming sense of burden and responsibility, like I'm gonna be held accountable for every single mistake. God said, but did you do the most important thing? Yeah, uh, spending money for lessons and sports and success in life and all of the things that we can give our children are awesome and amazing and we should do them. But did we give them Jesus, did we plant the seed that's guaranteed the return? That's the only guarantee I have. And honestly, it's a comfort because we're all, I've, all the bad seed that I've sown, all the mistakes that I've made as a parent, all the ways that I've fallen short, I have the comfort that it doesn't matter anyway because that's not what remains. What remains is the seeds of the kingdom of God that have been planted, toiled over, labored over, over all these years. And we were intentional about that. We messed up with probably a lot of things. I, I hope my kids aren't in therapy one day because of me, but if they are, that's okay too. But one thing that we tried really, 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 really hard to do is to make sure that we sowed the seeds of the kingdom that will remain. And I'm beginning to see that tree. It's, it's not a full tree yet. It's, it's almost, it's, it's a tree. We're working on it. And 
when I'm releasing our son into the world next fall, when he goes to college, and all the things I'm worried about, is he going to remember how to take care of his car? Does he remember how to do his laundry? But don't worry, we, we solved that a long time ago. Don't, don't worry, we're good. All of the things God is saying to me in this moment, can you trust the work of the kingdom on the inside? Can you trust that you sowed the seed and now God is responsible for the result? Not me, not parent, God. My role is quite insignificant really in the scheme of what God is going to do in my children's lives. He only asks that we are faithful and obedient to plant seeds of the kingdom on the inside of them and they will be a giant tree. And not only for them, but birds will come and nest in their branches. They will reach other people for Christ because of the seeds that were sown in them. So two questions as we leave today. Number one, will you do the work? That's what the action is asked of us, to do the work of sowing, to do the work of hiding the word in your heart so that the kingdom can expand on the inside of you and you can be the person God has called you to be. Will you do the work of sowing the seed when it looks like nothing is happening, when that coworker is not responding, when that family member you've been praying for forever, nothing is happening, will you do the work of sowing the seeds? And will we trust that the kingdom is at work once we've sown seeds? Can we let go and say, we trust the kingdom is at work in this? And as you leave today, I'm sorry, my online audience, I cannot put this through the screen to you, but just, you know, get, get the image in your mind. For everyone here in person today, there's a, there's a basket on the outside as you're walking out the door, and there's a tiny clear bag with one mustard seed in it. And I want you to take that because I want you to look at it this week. And I want you to both be encouraged that a small beginning can be something amazing and also be challenged. What seeds is God asking me to plant? Where am I called? Who am I called to, to plant the seeds of the kingdom? The only thing that will remain are the things of the kingdom. Let's invest our lives into the things that will remain and trust that the kingdom is at work once we've done it. I'm gonna pray for you and then we're gonna take communion to close. Lord, we thank you so much. I thank you that you do the work, the result belongs to you, God. You're only asking us to play our part. You're asking us to partner with you. Take those seeds, take the leaven, put them in the ground, put it in our heart. God, I pray that we would respond to that today in such a way that we are encouraged and challenged and also comforted that you're doing the work. Even if we don't see it, you're doing the work. We thank you for the work you are doing, for the things we can see, and we trust you with the things that we cannot yet see. We praise you. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.